Get ready, get ready for this piping hot tea. Get ready, get ready for a tea time and filter with your girl lovey tea. Spilling all this hot tea on this podcast street. So get ready, get ready for this piping hot tea. One tea time and filter with your girl lovey tea. Hey, Tea Time Unfiltered fans. I just want to let you guys know because I think there's some confusion at times. In order for you guys to watch the full video of our podcast, you have to log into the Spotify app or go on to Spotify.com and go to Tea Time Unfiltered. As soon as you're logged in, the full video will play uninterrupted and you'll be able to see the video video, not just the audio. Um, You're unable to watch the video on any other platform as far as Apple or Google or Anchor. You have to be logged into Spotify to see the full video. Hey, Tea Sippers. Welcome to another episode of Tea Time Unfiltered with your girl, Lovely Tea. And I got my girl, Lady J, in the house. Lady J, say what's up to the people. Hey, everybody. Good evening. Good day to y'all. Man, it is a lot going on out here. It's a lot of news for us to cover. And we got to talk about several different things throughout this podcast. And one of the things we got to hit on is all of this crypto drama. Like literally right now, the crypto space is going through some type of weird Babylonian ritual. Okay. We got death. We got debauchery. We got meltdowns. It's so much like this is, this is like a Dragon Ball Z episode for finance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, what is so funny is that um, I was in the finance room on discord and one of the members, black butterfly, she posted this meme And it had me cracking up because it's the truth. And basically on this meme, it has Bart Simpson. He's pretending to be blind. And it says, government, insider trading by members of Congress. They can't see nothing. SBF getting away with billions in FXT Ponzi scheme. They can't see nothing. Your $600 Venmo transaction, child, they got a a whole microscope on everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, on everybody's finances Mm -hmm. online. So I just find this whole situation just simply fascinating. One, let's start with the whole situation with Mr. Sam Bankman-Fried and um, Gretchen Grundler, a.k.a. Caroline Ellison, who was the co-CEO of um, FXT. And it's very interesting how these two and the rest of their cohorts have been able to get away with billions of dollars in legit money, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. With this whole crypto Ponzi scheme hedge fund, and the media is treating this like this is some, like one. They're they're treating him like he's a boy. They keep mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, this this boy, this young man, this is a grown man." They're treating her with cotton with kitten gloves. I'm confused as to why neither one of them have been arrested yet. Yeah, yeah, and after and and I'm gonna sit here and be quite honest too then I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be someone who is real seasoned or is is determined and well-versed in some of the discorders about this topic. I'm not going to pretend. One of the things that I would say is that for me, the complexity was I couldn't understand it in 10 seconds. I didn't want to be bothered with it. And I just haven't had the real opportunity to really look into understanding the complexities. But what I do understand is that what they were attempting to do is gain its its validity 
in the respects to central banking, you having other countries beginning to create their own digital coins. So it had become accepted because you can make these, these you know, use these digital coins and make purchases in places. Fine. But what I didn't understand is basically how these people were able to function the way where they were able to function and take money and basically rob Peter to pay Paul because allegedly that's what's happened. Is it, I mean, is that basically what has created this whole cycle of these, all these things, just the, the, the dominoes falling as it were? Part of that, but part of it is it's not heavily regulated, right? So right. like when we put money into our bank, a bank has to give us a minimum guarantee of $250,000 protection. FDIC so, insured, right. Right. Insured, if it the bank blows up or gets robbed, our money is going to be protected. Well, the problem with crypto is that the laws have not caught up yet. So mm -hmm. all of these people who were putting their money into this, there's no protection for them whatsoever. Now, a lot of the, the YouTube finance, and I use that word very loosely, finance gurus and the celebrities and the, you know, shark tank type people. Okay. I don't really feel bad for them because they were compensated to push this product. Right. Yes. And see, the problem is we live in a day and age where people don't believe in hard work anymore. They think all you have to do is join something, sign up for something, do an empowerment brunch. And then within, you know, two to two months to a year, you too will be a millionaire. But what people are not understanding, there's so many scams of this. You know, mm -hmm. the people who are getting empowered are the one giving you information and charging you for said information. <laughs> what they're doing, honestly, sis, is no different from these LLC scammers who charge you thousands of dollars to create an LLC and then tell you, oh, now you can buy a, a car in your business name and then build your business credit. Okay, so this person goes out and buys a luxury car in their business name. Where are they getting the money to finance the vehicle? They got to pay the car note. It's mm -hmm. still another expense. So I just think a lot of people jumped onto this from FXT to Dogecoin without really understanding the nuances. This is no different than like the pump and dump schemes with the stock. Right. If a stock is low, like how the, the people did the GameStop, right? All right. the people yeah. who got yeah. in, they got in when GameStop was like, let's say I'm just using a quote, 25 cents. So they're pumping all this money into it, pumping all this money into it. Now it's starting to rise. So now the hype is being built all over social media. So now everybody's running to put money in with hopes of winning. So now everybody's putting in tens of thousands of dollars. Well, all those people who initially put in 25 cents, they're cashing out. Right, right? exactly. So all the people at the bottom are left holding the bag. So this is kind of what's happening now with this whole crypto thing. And I didn't understand how people didn't see that, especially with like the Dogecoin. They're doing the same right. thing with the and dump. And for Elon Musk to have been hyping this up because you have people who have influence and people, you know, hang on to their every word. I would not be surprised if he starts getting possibly investigated for the Dogecoin because that was an outright scam. That wasn't even really supposed to be meant to be a real crypto coin. It was supposed to be a well, gag. And, 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 you know, you, you say that and it makes me think of something because 
kind of really quickly going back to this whole situation with FTX and Bankman Freed and the, the lady's name who I forget right now. Um, the reality is, is my understanding is that you have these coins based on this marketplace mm -hmm. and you can keep them on the marketplace, I guess, kind of like the index, right? And that you can have it in this index or you can actually have your coin kind of in a safety deposit box with a lock and key where only you have access to it. Yeah, and in that regard, wallet. Yeah. So and in that regard, your coins were its most secure. My understanding with that, you were supposed to really have a lot of that up front. On the on the on the marketplace, you're leaving it out in the wind for the market to have its ebbs and flows and for people who banked on it to have it at that rate. When this happened, it just eliminated everything. And then the fact that apparently I think he was on CNBC recently. I saw a little clip of him talking mm -hmm. where his feed was cut, this Bankman Freed guy, because they asked him something about the board. Because, yeah, where's your board? And he says, well, that's funny because we had one. And then his feed is dead. So then my question is, if you had a board and there's certain regulations for a board, that means you were a defined entity that were defined by certain rules and regulations. Who's in trouble? Word has it, Brent Farr. That's why he went back to playing football, because he broke. Mm -hmm. You know, is I mean, like a lot of people, is this the new Ponzi scheme? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are baffled with the fact that this man has not been arrested. He's literally been going on a hobo interview tour all over YouTube. Just different people. He was doing a whole, uh, what is that, clubhouse. It was like a whole bunch of them on clubhouse. Are you serious? He was? was? clubhouse session and when the questions got too hard for him he mysteriously had to leave but the mm -hmm. fact that he keeps trying to play this whole well i was busy and i don't know and but this is like this quote-unquote kid genius so your whole life you were smart you went to the most elite schools you were a brainiac but now that you literally almost crashed the global economy now me no speak no english me no know nothing it is really, it's just, it boggles the mind, the fact that the media is protecting him for one and the fact that he's not in custody. And I'm not saying he's not going to be in custody, but I can't see anybody else causing this much damage globally. And they're literally on Clubhouse talking and, and trying to, you know, change public perception of them. Let's let's iron out the nuances while you're in jail. I don't want you on Clubhouse. And I think that's the part that's just really frustrating is just all of this grace that this man and, and Gretchen Grundler are being given. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And this is the new hustle. I mean, we've been seeing it since even before 2020. I mean, how many cryptocurrencies have come and went? How many FX uh, uh, NFTs have come and went? And what they're doing is that they're taking advantage of a vulnerability in human psychology. And they talked about this on Facebook, you know, the whole FOMO, the fear of being left out. 
So when you see everybody running like lemmings to the next hottest thing, you don't want to be left out. So if all your friends and all the people that you follow on social media are all running to put money into Kim Kardashian's crypto and you don't want to be left out, well, you're doing it too. So Kim gets all the money, the, the people who created the coin, they're getting the money. And then once everything, you know, so-called crashes or it's not working anymore, you're left holding the bag. So these scams on social media, I mean, they've been going on for a while, but the fact that I think the reason why, of course, this is getting so much attention is one, the loss of global revenue for a lot of people, but also the fact that they were not only pushed by celebrities and, you know, YouTube gurus, but they were pushed globally. They had a Super Bowl commercial. You don't get any more backing than that. That's where the most eyes are on is during Super Bowl. And then on top of that, they were also donating to several Democratic parties, um, party leaders, Republican party leaders. So they were very heavily involved in, you know, campaign donations as well. I, you, it, but and that's the just the surface. That's just the surface. Because I'm like, who is this dude? Because I just looked at him like, why is he not arrested? Why is Gretchen or Gertrude or whatever her name is? <laughs> oh, that's what I call her. Her name is Carolyn oh. Ellison. But, you is know, the fan of recess, she reminds me of Gretchen Grundler, honey. You said that you are wrong. <laughs> Lord. Girl, <laughs> she did. <laughs> she looks just like Gretchen Grundler. She does. She does, you're wrong, but let me get it together. So when I <laughs> when I sit back and I look at this guy, because I'm not going to sit here, that because crypto for now at this moment in time never really interests me. It didn't really get me interested because I felt like anything with a fad, I wanted to burn out. I want the kinks and the bugs to be worked out. And then maybe I'll get interested. I, I went ahead and I took a look at his last name. And, you know, his father is this professor of law. But I was really interested in his mother, whose last name is the Free. The bankman is his dad's last name, and his mom's last name is the Free. Now, I went to the Stanford Center on Poverty and Inequality, and she is the scholarly, her scholarly interest, and this is a quote, Interests lie at an intersection of law, economics, and philosophy. She has written extensively on questions of disruptive justice in the areas of tax policy, property theory, and political theory. Uh, so basically, this woman is focusing on things like moral law, political theory, uh, poverty, inequality. And you mean to tell me that the things that this woman has built her life's work on, as well as her husband, because her husband is more into the economic side, okay? This young man sat up, did something, played the game, manipulated the system, okay? And then turned around and did this and nothing happened. It is because what he did is he used the policies and he manipulated the system to his advantage. And that's why he's not arrested. When I read his mother's bio, I'm like, okay. He read him. And the parents are attorneys. 
Yeah, the parents have a lot of standing too. They've been um, big donors and they've been a part of the Democratic Party as well. So they're mm -hmm. very well known. See, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these trust fund babies and, and things like that, that are able to start these businesses, a lot of it is nepotism. Mm -hmm. You know, even like the people who come on, you know, YouTube and you too can be a millionaire at 25, you know, at 21, I made my first million dollars, but you're not being honest. You're not telling them that one, you were able to get the capital because your parents also had money. See, nobody wants to talk about who's funding a lot of these people who are not being placed in front of you as millionaires. When you have the capital and you have somebody who's willing to invest in you, like an Elizabeth Holmes, with her father being one of the COOs of Enron, mm. of course you're able to get $4 million <laughs> from your parents to start said company. Even Enron, Arthur Anderson. Right. When he, you know, filed bankruptcy and all that stuff, he was able to start all over again. Why? Because his father gave him a million dollars. How many mm -hmm. average people have that type of access, have that type of connections? Many don't. So this is why people need to really research the folks that they are following, you know what I'm saying, and understand the difference between how they truly made it and what they're projecting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, I think, too, it, let's see what we can get away with. You know what I'm saying? It's projecting one ideology, but let's see what we can get away with over here. You know, his dad is canceling all his classes next semester in order to support his son legally. So his son won't go to jail. I think a lot of, I think this rabbit hole with FXT is only, um, excuse me, with FTX, it's just the, the surface there, there's this this whole situation oh, yeah. goes so much deeper. And I yeah. think once they peel back the nuances, they're going to see that it's so many more people involved besides this young man or grown man and his grown girlfriend. You know, mm -hmm. they're trying to he definitely is at fault, but I also believe they're trying to make him the scapegoat. But if you really dig down into it. There's a lot of people behind the scenes. Now, what's really interesting, we can go ahead and kind of segue into this while we're talking about crypto, mm -hmm. is if you guys do not know, there has been so many crypto deaths. We've had over four crypto billionaires. They have mm -hmm. all died this month. And so now this is starting to raise a lot of alarms. Eyebrows are being raised globally. So let me let me name all these people. So um, Nikolai Mushigang, he was 29 years old and he died in Puerto Rico on October 29th after tweeting that the CIA and Mossad were after him. The young tech millionaire was troubled with mental health issues. His family says no foul play has been involved and he had been spiraling. Yeah, of course the family's going to say that. I'm going to say ain't no foul. Ain't nothing happening. Everything's fine over here. He did. Yeah. He was crazy. Moving on with our lives. Right. Because I want to live. Right. Because young men just wake up and start tweeting about Mossad. Okay. Right. Um, so the next one was a broker. His name was Javier Bisca. Um, mm -hmm. He was at the center of Spain's biggest probe into crypto into cryptocurrency fraud. And he was found dead at a golf complex in Esponia 
on Tuesday morning, November 22nd. Okay. Then we have the third guy, really handsome too, Asian guy. His name is Tyantin Colander. He's the founder of the Amber Group, and he died unexpectedly on November 23rd in his sleep. The father, one, founded the Amber Group in 2017, which is valued at $2.4 billion. Now, the girlfriend is refusing to get an autopsy. The people in China are pissed because when he died, they mysteriously cannot find $1.7 million. Somehow he was able to take that to the grave with him. Last time I checked, when you die, everything is just left here. But okay. Mm -hmm. So the people are missing $1.7 million. The wife is refusing to get an autopsy. The people who invested are demanding that his body be autopsy to see was he killed, what happened. And right now, there, there's nothing, nothing at all. So the last person um, who died, his name was crypto billionaire Vaxlav Tron, and he died, a mis- he died in a mysterious helicopter crash on November 25th after another passenger canceled at the last minute. He had two children and a wife, and he was worth $20 billion. Uh-huh. So something uh-huh. ain't right in the buttermilk. So everybody's talking about this. I'm going to play a video really quick. Um, a lot of people on TikTok are also speaking on this as well. So uh-huh. I think people are starting to see that something with all of these situations are just not right. So let me No, go. ain't nobody stupid no more. We, we, we're putting dots together, and that's the problem. They don't like us doing that. Right. This Russian billionaire is one of three crypto bosses to have died in unexpected circumstances in recent weeks. There's been loads of speculation, but here are the facts. Bochezov Turan died after his helicopter crashed in good weather last week. It's reported that the helicopter was being flown by an experienced pilot that also died. But there's been speculation that another passenger was meant to board the plane, but cancelled at the last minute. These details have not been confirmed. The authorities investigating say they don't know any more about the crash, but they aren't ruling out any third-party involvement. This follows from the death last week of this crypto businessman. A statement from his company said that he died unexpectedly in his sleep. And his death followed this crypto millionaire who was found washed up on a beach last month. Before he died, he made a load of posts saying that he was scared for his life. And that's fueled a lot more speculation. But his family don't think his death is suspicious. They said he had a history of mental health problems. This isn't the first time there's been speculation into crypto deaths. In 2018, the odd circumstances around the death of another millionaire led to a Netflix documentary titled Trust No One. But it's important to point out that there is no evidence that the three deaths are linked in any way. So today's show sponsor is Dipsy. Self-care has always been on the top of the mind for me, but in between meditation sessions, trips to the yoga studio or the nail salon, how often are you taking care of all your needs? Transport your mind into a world where you can relax and treat yourself with your deepest desires. With Dipsy, self-care has never sounded better. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Find stories about an intriguing coworker with a British accent or hooking up with a hot young yoga instructor. For listeners of my show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash sipslow. Once again, all you have to do is go to D-I-P-S-E-A 
stories.com slash sip slow. That's S I P S L O W. So if you want to explore your fantasies, make sure you check them out. All right. So you just saw that video, right? Yeah. I mean, this is what I can say. I remember when there was really a lot of noise right before uh, Elon Musk had did that noise with the Dogecoin earlier, late last year, early this year, if I got my dates correct. And I felt that that was being done. It was sabotage. That much I did feel. I'm not going to sit here and say I knew it inside and out. I felt like it was sabotage. The fact that these people are dying at these rates, we can't sit here and say that there's no coincidence. It's not even a 10 half situation. You have people who have had their money in their own crypto wallets and had their monies in the marketplace and probably owed a lot of people a lot of money. And when you can't pay, and you can't do what you're supposed to do. I mean, it's either you or the family. And sometimes it's the family too. I won't be surprised if we continue to hear more death tea. I just think we scratching the surface. It's about to get bad. Really yeah, bad. And, no, and I agree. And one thing I've always said with the whole crypto thing, um, I've always felt like they allowed it to even carry on because uh -huh. it's easier to allow all these quote unquote tech geniuses to, you know, invent the system, pave the road. And then eventually what's going to happen is something like what happened with Sam Bankman Freed. Now the governments have every excuse to say, you know what, now we need to regulate crypto in the same manner we regulate the banks. So I think this was just a waiting game that this was going to happen anyway, because, you know, when you think about it, who has incentive when all these cryptocurrencies start falling by the wayside and people are mad and they're losing their money. And now the people are now begging the government to get involved. But the whole point of crypto was to be government free. And see, the thing is, right now we're running out of resources. So there's there's not a whole lot of trees out here. We can keep printing paper money. A lot of places like China and over there in Asia, they've already been very, very digitalized. We're still the few in the West that's still, you know, using paper money. But even that's becoming more and more obsolete. So mm -hmm. doing digital currency um, is only the next step. But I believe they allowed all of these people from Japan and China and America to lay the foundation because not even in China, you have the government. They they control all of their digital currency. Well, they stopped that. I'm, I can that I can specifically speak on. They slowed that roll back in 2017. I remember that specifically. And even Forbes recently stated that they thought China could be holding about six billion of Ethereum and Bitcoin and a bunch of other really high end or you know real niche cryptocurrencies suggesting that because of this circular policy that they've kind of messed up over there and you know maybe they're doing something we don't know about waiting to cash in on the non-payment of debt from the african continent in combination with russia deciding to go ahead and continue their incursion into europe and then oh let's not forget 
uh, I forget what country said that they wanted to stop trading um, um, the gas or the oil on the U.S. dollar because the U.S. dollar right now is crushing other currencies. Do your currency conversions and make comparisons in the last month. The U.S. dollar is strong. And it's crushing other currencies. So I think that there is definitely a connection there. And I'm not that deep into the macroeconomics, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know there's a connection there. And we just need to pay attention. I bet you some people in your Discord have already put the 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 T's together with the I's and everything else. Right. No, I mean, it, it's definitely a very nuanced conversation. You know, mm -hmm. so I always suggest people do their own research, you know, oh, really yeah. try and, you know, understand what's going on. It's only so much we can hit on in an hour podcast. But <laughs> I definitely think there's going to be more heads rolling. Um, and this young man, uh, Sam Bankman Freed, um, he's looking at, I mean, years, 20 plus years in prison. OK, they have lost over 32 billion dollars. So before he allows himself to go to prison, oh, he's going to be singing like a canary and have his lawyer parents, you know, defending him and being his. Yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of of things coming out behind this. So it's going to be very interesting to see as this goes on. But I would suggest for people, um, you know, who are involved in, in crypto and things like that. I mean, I have a few crypto coins, but with um, Bitcoin, when I say it's mm -hmm. a few, it's literally a few. I don't even think I have a thousand dollars worth because to me, like you said, it never really made sense. I bought a few to say I have some, but I'm not right. investing my life savings into some shit that can crash yeah. tomorrow. And then mm -hmm. somebody can just shrug their shoulders and say, well, absolutely not. You know, I don't feel comfortable in that. So for me, I'm going to be on the outside watching and sipping slow. So, I, I, yeah, yeah, definitely. I've always been taught to just stick to and I don't want to sound old school. But I was always taught to stick to the precious metals, gems, and natural okay. resources. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's a conversation for another day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's go ahead and segue to all of this drama going on in China. Girl. So over the past few days, we have seen China literally just do some of the craziest things to lock the Chinese people back in. Um, somebody, it could be one person in an apartment complex that comes up, you know, in the red or positive for COVID. And they are literally locking people once again in their apartments where they can't come out. And it looks like the mess hit the fan about going on two weeks ago, an mm -hmm. apartment complex caught on fire. And people ended up dying. They, about 10 people lost their lives in that fire because the fire department could not get there to go rescue the people because all the doors were chained and locked. So people mm -hmm. literally died in this apartment complex. Others had to jump out of windows. And so that's what kind of sparked um, this whole anti-COVID COVID lockdown movement in China. So if you want to go ahead and speak on that. I, you know, me personally, being a former resident of the PRC, um, I was really shocked to see my old neighborhood in the news. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I used to live on Wulumuchi, in Jing'an, in Shanghai, um, and the area where 
they were doing a lot of the protesting, um, you know, two weekends ago was in an area that was literally the border of what is called the former French concession or FFC and Jingansu. And right near an area was called Changlulu and Anfulu and Bulumuchilu. And this is a real prime location in Shanghai, right near Jing'an Temple. I was absolutely stunned. Um, I know people probably came from all over the city, but I can imagine that those are people in the neighborhood I've probably crossed paths from in my lifetime of more than my decade of living there. And I think that that they are tired. I think that they definitely want to concern themselves with their health and their safety. But I think from what I'm understanding, um, the lack of resources, um, high unemployment. Um, imagine being a high school kid in a city like, you know, Beijing or Shanghai being a safe city and being able to go to KTV and restaurants and then that being taken from you in your whole three years of high school or college being stuck in the house with your grandparents and your parent and you're one child. Lord, you know, so I think that those young people are absolutely catatonic <laughs> at their wits end. Um, and all the foreigners have left, you know, um, the vibrancy of those tier one cities that really gave it its modern luster because it was this, this melting pot is everybody's gone. And it's sad. It's, it's sad. sad. I don't I feel bad. I was asking you to compare like Shanghai to like what city in America. And you were saying it's like New York, but what, like three times bigger than New York? Uh, no, <laughs> it's probably bigger. I, Shanghai is the largest city on the planet. It has the largest transit system. I believe it has the largest transit system on the planet with 20 so train lines. The downtown area encompasses probably four New York cities. Wow. Four. That's the downtown area. And I'm, I don't think that I'm really being too liberal with that, that number. It's massive. Now, the reason why I'm saying that, because I want people to understand that this is a place that's 10 times, let's just say, bigger than New York City. Yeah. And imagine all of these people out on the street protesting. And these are usually people who do not protest. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not America where you're just free to, you know, let's all get together and go burn shit and be mad and protest. That technically doesn't happen there. So for all of these people to come together, like I was happy watching because I'm like, it looks like they're finally waking up and they're tired, you know, and, and they're fighting back and they're willing to go to jail. They're willing to, you know, um, leave their creature comforts to do something for the next generation because the lockdowns to me are just insane. And then they're going around spraying all these chemicals in the air to supposedly, you know, kill the virus. So I'm thinking, well, what, what do we really even know what they're spraying? Is it really killing the virus or is there a virus in there to get these people sick? Well, I can tell you this as far as the protest in relationship, there's a confluence of situations going on. These people still ain't going to make a lot of noise. These people are not going to make no move unless they're forced to. And the only reason these people came out and protested 
was because they all protested in cities that either were named after Bulumuchi, which is where the fire took place in Urmichin, which is in Xinjiang, which is the Muslim region of China, okay, where this fire took place. So where they did is in every city or every road, well, not every, but at least 10 cities and roads in big cities that had Wulamuchi. And I can say specifically with the Shanghai incident that there was a big fire in Shanghai in 2010 on this street called Zhaozhou Loop, which was right down the street where these people protested. So the fact, and it was massive because it was a lot of young people who died. And I think really what it was is that they said, wow, if y'all locking those people in, that could be me too. That could be me too. Mm. So that's what scared them. And in relationship to what's being sprayed in the air, I've saw some videos of that. I can't speak of that. It could be disinfecting. It could be something else. We don't know. But I would definitely say that there is definitely an element of change on that side of the world especially what we've seen in the news as of late. And the next few years are going to be very interesting for all of us, I would say, for sure. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, that um, I find very interesting is were they locking down? Because the thing is, you're not going to get a straight answer from the CCP, right? Mm -hmm. They're never going to come out and be honest. If they say, oh, only 20 people died from COVID, just think it was really 2,000. You know, like they just lie. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, what I find very interesting is the fact they're taking such extreme measures to lock people down again. Because looking at China and all the stuff that's been going on the past two weeks, it's just brought me back to 2020. PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so huh. I'm thinking, is there another virus potentially coming down the pipeline that's even worse than C-19? Because why are they taking such extreme measures when the rest of the world is open? And for the most part, I'm not saying that people aren't getting sick or even passing from C-19, but it's definitely not to the level it was in, you know, 2020. Um, and even 2021. So I'm thinking, is there a new strain, but they're not trying to tell the world because again, they don't want to look like, oh my gosh, another virus coming from China. I, you know what? That is a very interesting thought. And I think that there has some validity to that. This whole one, I'm about to say one child policy, not that the zero COVID policy, because with everything with China has to be absolute, you know, one child, zero. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm -hmm. everything's absolute. And, and, and to be honest with you, I think most governments are very reactionary. In my, you know, experience, I think that they're very reactionary. And then it's only after the jump, after there's some tangible data for them to assess what damage has been done, will they only then roll it back? And I think every government does that. But again, immediately reactionary. And I don't, think I think they planned it well on paper but I don't always think that they fully put the human element into it and I think that's where the mistakes come in that I just that's where and I, and I know that sounds really crazy but I just that's just how you know certain people in the world think um and I mean I 
our government does the same thing too. They're trying to protect their people the best way that they can. Because the thing about it is, if that's a, that's a large population of people that drop dead if we don't have them control. Right. You know, so you can't, if you want to look at it in a respect of them self-preservation and them just having this totalitarian and our ideal attitude, you can understand why they feel that way. Um, protecting the home front because they this is all they have. But to us, it looks absolutely asinine, which it is. <laughs> it is crazy. So right. I don't know what they're going to do. Well, it looks like something, um, I th it looks like the protests may have worked slightly because it's being announced today, and I'm going to play a video. Um, mm -hmm. It's being announced today that they are lifting some of the restrictions. So I think that's a good thing, especially for, you know, the Chinese citizens. Steve, one of the chants, we don't want PCR testing, we want freedom. This has at least been in part addressed uh, for Shanghai and Hangzhou. Yeah, that's right. So as of today, Monday in Shanghai, uh, you will no longer need a PCR test, a negative PCR test to use public transport or go into public venues. Uh, also, other cities like Hangzhou, which is just further uh, to the southwest of Shanghai, also an economic powerhouse, the home base of Alibaba. This is in addition to many other cities that are I would assume taking new marching orders uh, from Beijing to ease back a little bit. Now, you know, I know I understand China pretty well, and I understand as well uh, through this pandemic and COVID zero, when the marching orders came down from the tall or the, the most powerful leader, let's face it, uh, Xi Jinping has consolidated more power since the days of Mao Zedong. And when he uh, basically said, you must implement uh, these uh, COVID zero policies, uh, the various municipalities took that to heart and Perhaps, as we saw with the frustration mounting last week with a number of different protests, it, it, it just reached the boiling point. And, and, and some of these uh, local municipalities went perhaps too far. But again, they were probably watching uh, the success, if you want to call it that, in Shanghai, which was under a brutal two-month lockdown. And guess what? The Communist Party chief of Shanghai, Li Qiang, gets promoted to the premier. He will become the premier, the number two ranking official on the standing committee as of March when the National People's Congress meets. So he was rewarded for that two month lockdown in Shanghai. So again, there's been mixed signals, but now clearly because Hangzhou, Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, Zhengzhou, iPhone City, Wuhan, Lhasa, Kunming, Nanning, Harbin, and many more are all starting to loosen their COVID uh, restrictions, including relaxing some of those PCR test requirements. Well, Steve, at least the very least getting public acknowledgement from Beijing, there has to be further opening up now. Absolutely. I mean, we're not necessarily getting Xi Jinping coming out and saying that directly. I'm going to loosen my keystone or cornerstone policy, uh, and that being COVID zero. But essentially, we're hearing from the likes uh, of the European Commission uh, with Charles Michel, who met with uh, Xi Jinping on Thursday. And uh, European officials have said that Xi Jinping have basically acknowledged uh, that the the dominant strain of COVID now in China is Omicron. And essentially, that is less less lethal. And therefore, uh, perhaps some relaxation could happen. It would be, if confirmed, the first public acknowledgement from Xi Jinping uh, that there is a argument to be made to loosen the restrictions. Because the argument to date has been we can't 
allow uh, loosening up of these restrictions because of the, the lower vaccination rate among the elderly and the like. So again, there is a shift and we've seen six prominent uh, economists uh, joined together in a joint report posted on WeChat over the weekend, including Huang Yiping, who is a former uh, advisor to the PBOC, essentially saying the top priority now of the nation must be economic recovery. And All right. So you just heard everything wow. they had to say. Now, what I wow. find very interesting is this. If you caught that last part, I don't believe that Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping, um, <laughs> did this out of the kindness of his heart or because, you know, pressure from, you know, the West. They don't care anything what we think of, you know, what they got going on in their country. That last part, economics, that's going to go over a lot of people's heads. Because remember, Shanghai is one of the biggest, you know, they make so many products. That's like the world's producer. Like they produce so many things they build. They make clothing, uh, the, the cell phones, iPhones, all that stuff comes from China. And with these lockdowns being so stringent that people weren't even able to work, we're already dealing with shipment issues, right? You know, things being shipped um, right now. There's not as many groceries going to the grocery stores. We have issues with the, you know, rising price of gas, the trucks and stuff like that. So I believe they're only restricting some of these um, these lockdowns because they're looking at the books and they're seeing they really are not having as much money coming in and out because nobody's working. Huh. So more I, like yeah. A, a, you know what I'm saying? Economics than it is. Oh, the yeah. People. And it's always about the economics. They they they're they're attempting this concept of the circular economy. And it's something that many countries have done before. You see the United Kingdom being talked out of, you know, out of the European Union only to, you know, have their markets just splattered and the British pound being reduced on the US dollar today. You know, the ruble is strong. Mm -hmm. Gold is strong. You know, China, you know, made some missteps. And, you know, the fact that they're now saying you don't have to in these tier one cities, for example, travel with the code, which you the code was only like active for like, I think, 48, 72 hours, if I understand it correctly. You know, traveling from train to train to train, going from city to city, each city, you had to have a different application to go where you couldn't use the same code application in Shanghai that you could in 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 uh, Hangzhou or Ningguo or in Tianjin. You can't do that. You got to have a whole new app. So if it keeps changing, you go there to go to work, you're stuck. That's the same thing that happened with Foxconn and which is exactly today why Apple is pulling out of China. They just made that news today. So when you talk about if Xi Jinping is doing anything to make anything because of economics, when Apple said we out, Xi Jinping responded by doing that because I think Apple and other players are leaving China now. Because they don't have workers to go do anything. They can't produce anything. Right. But let's keep it real. Apple is not moving out of China now. That's breaking news. I didn't even know about that yet because I've been keeping up with that whole Foxconn. And not fully, but I got to clear that up. But yes, that's true. They just yeah, reported they're planning that on today. moving their production out of China to India. So that was mm -hmm. reported. Um, I have a video here that we can play. But let's also keep it real. The only reason why they're moving 
is one, the protest, that whole situation at Foxconn was not a good look for Apple. Ooh. <gasps> it was not a good look that those people were stuck there for weeks and could not leave. Did you and see the squalor? Yes. It's just, it's disgusting. That would never be allowed here. And, you know, it's like, they don't care as long as like the product is made for the Christmas rush for the West. And, you know, a lot of people don't understand the nuances or how these phones are made and how they have suicide nets outside of Foxconn. So in the case, these workers go crazy from messing with all these computer chips and, you know, working and only getting like an hour break in a 20 hour shift and they decide to kill themselves. There's a net. There's a net to catch them and then send them back in the door to go to work. Like, it's uh -huh. insane. I mean, people have been talking about Foxconn now for years. For years. And it's very interesting that it took this and, and American government intervention to confront. Because remember, um, the CEO of Apple got confronted recently. Um, what's his name? Not Steve Jobs. Tim Cook. He Tim got Cook. confronted and pressed by lawmakers on Capitol Hill on Thursday. You know, like, what are you going to do about this? Like, this is not a good look. So I think because of the pressure and mm -hmm. again, everybody's losing money right now in this economy. Right. It takes hmm. the littlest thing and people are done. Look at Balenciaga. Look at, you know, so many, you know, things, any type of controversy, people are done. You're getting canceled. So this was not looking good for Apple. And especially now it's one thing for, you know, people on Twitter, you know, just us regular people on Twitter to be adding Apple and being like, look what's happening at Foxconn. F you, mm -hmm. Apple, you guys are greedy. Well, we don't. OK, you're just ranting on Twitter. Nobody cares. But once lawmakers are confronting you at Capitol Hill. Now you're understanding that this, you know, there's bigger eyes looking on this. So, you know, for me, I'm not going to hail Apple a hero because people have been calling out the, the atrocities at Foxconn literally for years. Mm -hmm. They're only moving now because now the government is looking at this. Now there's footage going everywhere. So we're just going to move it here from this quote unquote country to now India. So let's mm -hmm. see how those people in India get treated. Hopefully better, because mm -hmm. I'm them, them Indians, they don't play. So we'll see. That. Girl, but them in I mean, the Indians have had examples in their history, especially in those mills. We're doing a lot of textiles where the places were blowing up and stuff like that. So, you know, but yeah, these are different days and times to be continued on that one. Yeah, it's gonna be very interesting, you know. And so now that you bought that up, because like I said, I wasn't even aware that they had pulled out today. Now mm -hmm. it makes sense why he's trying to restrict stuff mm -hmm. and clean stuff up real mm -hmm. quick. But, you know, like I had assumed anyways, it had to, you know, fell back. Yeah. Economics. Of course. Always. You knew it was. You just didn't know what the story was. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You knew it was there. Mm -hmm. And then Shimbari Shimbara. And I don't even think Apple is really the only one. You know, I, I've been kind of busy this week, so I really haven't been digging too deep as I usually do. But that's just the subsurface stuff that I got. I can imagine we have other examples because you have all of the deep sea ports in China that are in the eastern Chinese tier one cities. And if you lock them all down and they can't move around in the train stations to get to the ports to work, it, you know, they're again, the domino effect, you know, um, they they don't understand it. Even some of my friends who I know who family members, uh, a lot of Shanghainese in a lot of cities in the United States who come here, they still walk around with masks because they're told to walk around with masks. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't, and like you said before, it's like 
They don't have forethought that if I do this, this will be the ramifications. Like mm -hmm. even like when you were telling me like a year ago when they started like firing all of the uh, foreign teachers. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want no more black folks teaching the kids, white people. Mm -hmm. People were mm -hmm. like teaching is one of like the main jobs for foreigners in China. You know, you can teach there. So about a year ago, they started getting rid of all these teachers. And now they're finding issues where there's nobody to teach the children. Well, y'all didn't think of that before you started kicking foreigners out the country and telling them that they like it just it doesn't make any sense to me. They don't think they don't have forethought for some reason. Not everybody in China, but, you know, the ones who are running shit. It's it's the way they, they and you have to look at it like this, too. And I think you can look at it culturally when you look at other examples of other things, too, like the way that they perceive things are different. It's a different applique, you know, where. They, we look at it as individual and how it affects me. They're looking at it at the people, and it's not individual. Everything is owned collectively. Um, so in that, you know what I'm saying? So there's so many different Confucian dynamics when you're thinking about Asia and Taoist and Taoist dogma as well. And I, I try to be respectful of that when I'm being critical of other people's culture. But, you know, me as a former resident, having a lot of beautiful experiences there, but also having bad ones, I can I can see where the frustration comes in. At. And I just wish them all the best. But I know one thing. It's having ramifications in everything, in oh, yeah. everything. Yep, it really well, is. That's why I would say, like, you know, in this world, it is like one big circle of life. You know, mm -hmm. Americans are so conditioned to always think of, oh, that country or way over there. I live here, so I'm fine. Well, no, 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 no. Not when you have globalization. There is mm -hmm. no more. This is our country. And whatever happens here happens here. No, whatever happens here or in this part of the world or that part of the world, it affects us all. Right now, we're not dealing with bombs from Russia. But guess what? We're being affected <laughs> with this mm -hmm. war in Ukraine, you know, with wheat production and, and, you know, things that are going on in Europe and the price of things sky high. So mm -hmm. even if you're not in the thick of it, there's always going to be waves that push back at you. And, and that's the part that's unfortunate. So yeah, we're not dealing with quote unquote lockdowns here, but their lockdowns there are having an, a significant impact on the global economy because they're the world, yeah. you know, builders and, you know, uh, producers and, you know, mill workers and all that stuff. And when it's shut down, nobody's receiving product. And not even only product, you have to understand that with product, you have to move it. That's supply chain. And the reason why our gas prices are kind of hovering up in somewhere between three and five to six dollars a gallon where you depend on where you go is that although we here in America have a significant amount of reserves, we're selling those reserves to Europe because there is an embargo on Russian fuel and refined gas and oil. There is some transit in relationship there. You know, there are some things being transited, but there are some things that are not necessarily because there is this, this war going on. So in effect, us paying this high gas prices, going to the store, paying $4.89 for a carton of eggs. Yeah, I went to the store and I was like, for eggs? That's because <laughs> we're paying for the war effort. 
Y'all don't understand. This is really, if you want to think about it, if you hear all those stories about World War II where people had rationing cards and stuff like that to get sugar and flour and stuff like that, we're kind of in a way doing that already because yeah. we're paying for a war effort for these high cost prices for everything that we're paying. But they just don't, they tell you that, but we don't pay attention. And it's in, it's unfortunate. So yeah, yeah, the cost of everything is going up. It's it's insane. So let's go ahead and segue. We got to talk about um, this whole TJ Holmes and and Miss Amy situation, honey. Um, mm -hmm. They're out here mm -hmm. cheating and fucking and sucking. They have no shame. <laughs> Amy Roback, she's cheating on good old Andrew Shue. We all remember fine Andrew Shue from back in the day on Melrose Place, honey. We were like in the third grade. He was very cute to us on Melrose Place, okay? Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, still is. Still exactly, is okay? Um, and then TJ Holmes is cheating on his wife, Marley Feeberg. Now, she's a Rock Nation attorney, so she ain't no slouch. She definitely has herself together. Very beautiful woman. Um, so this has just been like rock. This scandal has just rocked social media and everybody has something to say. Now, first, um, let's go ahead and play this video because now it's coming out now that, you know, good old TJ Holmes don't know how to keep his pen in his pants. Um, they're saying that before he started smashing Amy Robach, he was smashing another Good Morning America producer. Mm -hmm. So this man has no shame. So let's go ahead and, um... Let me add this to the stream here. TJ Holmes making news with another GMA romance. It's been a great week. Just want this one to keep going and going and going. Just um, enjoy it. Days after his relationship with co-host Amy Robach was revealed, ET's learned he had an affair with a producer on the morning news show too. We will spare you, America. Here's what we know. A source tells ET TJ was involved with the producer for a few years, who also worked with Amy on the show, but she left GMA in late 2017. ET has reached out to TJ, the former producer, ABC, and GMA for comment. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to What You Need to Know, GMA3, and it's Friday Eve. Oh, <laughs> who's looking forward to the weekend? Uh, me? Yeah. Yes. When it comes to TJ and Amy's romance, which a source told ET has been, quote, going on in secret for quite some time, the pair will not face disciplinary action. We're learning because they are two consenting co-workers who are equals, there is no issue with their relationship at work. TJ, isn't that your favorite? <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> never it always gets actually. into the holiday spirit. Why do I tell you things in confidence? It's unclear when the love affair began, but we do know Amy and her husband, Andrew Shue, and TJ and his wife, Marilee Feebig, had split before the news broke. In nearly a decade prior to the reveal of their romance, TJ made his thoughts on marriage very clear. Marriage gets a bad rap a lot of times. I'm such a marriage proponent. I, I want everybody to get married. I think everybody should, and I think you're better off in, in doing so. Fast forward to 2022, he may have changed his views on the subject. Keeping the romance alive in any relationship, well, maybe it's a challenge these just, days. Just a little bit sometimes, mm. right? But looks like the co-host relationship is going strong. Our source tells us the reality is Amy and TJ have always had chemistry, so this match makes sense. 
another tip is to train with friends. Uh, you set the agenda. You say, oh, here's when we're meeting. Me when she said I did. So At least you feel the excitement of doing it with someone. You don't feel alone. Adding, Amy and TJ are both adults who also happen to be in the public eye. So they're under a magnifying glass that isn't particularly fair. They are both together willingly, and that's all that should matter. All right, so we just watched that. Wow. Now, now what's very interesting <laughs> is that TJ had posted on um it went viral actually. It was like some type of child, some type of love letter to his wife mm-hmm. on their 10-year anniversary. So it went viral on social media. So I'm gonna read that here. It says this particular hashtag decade challenge is a bit late, but 10 years ago, Marley Fidberg married me. And despite my best efforts, she remained married to me the past 10 years. And that's not hyperloop. And that's not hyperbole. I'm not being dramatic. I've gave her plenty of reasons, excuses, and opportunities to walk her fine ass out the door. But instead, with her built-in Black woman superpower, she showed grace, patience, that's incomprehensible. Asking her for another 10 years would be asking for too much. Another 10 months, that may even be a stretch. If she gave me another 10 weeks, I would consider myself lucky. If she puts up with me another 10 days, I'd be grateful. But if she would even spare me another 10 minutes of her time today... I should consider myself blessed. This is Marley Fibbs Holmes, y'all. And I, TJ Holmes, do solemnly swear that I was her. Now, he posted that in 2020. And um, she's a beautiful lady. Very, very pretty. Now, what was very interesting, if you watched that, the news clip that I just played, when he talked about marriage and how he's a marriage proponent, you notice he didn't make any eye contact with the camera. But yeah. then when they fast forward a few years later, when he's talking about marriage and, oh, you know, having to give your all, he's looking dead at the camera. So you can tell his demeanor and disposition very much change. So a lot of people are mad about this. You have a lot of black women online upset. Robin Roberts, um, they noted today that she's really upset that it's a bad look, um, you know, for the brand. And this is my thing, right? Both of them clearly have broke up with their significant others. They haven't divorced them yet, but they're not together. Mm-hmm. What I get tired of is the hypocrisy. There was a right. post that posted on Instagram, and they were basically stating here. Let me see if I can pull that up here. Okay. Amy Robach and TJ Holmes not ashamed of their romance. So this is when they came back to work. So this is what uh, this was a few days ago. It says sources close to the couple describe their first day back as wonderful. Um, They said they felt supported and loved by their ABC colleagues. They're not ashamed. They're two consenting adults who ended up uh, loving each other. A source told page six, they hadn't seen each other since Tuesday. It's not how they wanted the news of their relationship to come out, but it's also kind of a relief. And so, you know, a lot of people were really, really upset, especially on the shade room, honey. You know, everybody has something to say. And this was my response. I said, why should they feel ashamed? This excuses and celebrates nonsense like random hookups and side chick culture. Just hope your husband or wife doesn't have a work spouse. (laughs) I mean, where's the lie? It's the attitude, honey. I just I don't like the fake outrage, the fake morality. And it's not just hip hop culture, of course, 
But we live in a day and age. Remember last week I had did my live stream about Glorilla Mm -hmm. um, when she went on to the Breakfast Club and she was basically saying that, you know, in, in, in not so many words, it's okay to hook up with a man, what she called a year, right? So you can hook up with a, with a random man in the club, but you're never supposed to fall in love with him or be in a relationship because guys that you meet in the club ain't shit. And people were really co-signing this, like this was some deep, thought-provoking nonsense. And I think that is the problem is that when you have people like me and others who have high emotional intelligence, I, I can't. I can't even subject myself to even co-signing bullshit, right? Because while you're sitting here hooking up with a random yeah in the club, before you gave him some ass, did you ask him, did he have a wife or a girlfriend? Oh, you don't care because it's just a hookup. But now you want to, you know what I'm saying, sit there and, and you know, shoot your morality towards TJ and Amy. Is their cheating okay? No, it's not okay. But I just find it very interesting how people want them to have some type of shame when we've said this years ago there is no more shame people no there is none none no people don't care i think that people give each other excuses to do what they want to react on people mm -hmm. don't people have no i don't think people really purposely know how to handle their emotions anymore. I think we're taught that we're supposed to gratify every emotion, every need, every want, every desire immediately. Mm -hmm. And I think that because of that, so that, we're in a society where everything is rapid, everything is what we want, that because we're taught that that's what we're supposed to shoot for the stars and go for what we want and satisfy what we want, that it's okay. I mean, me personally, I don't think it's anything wrong for you to be young and to enjoy life. And even in your adult life, if you've been married and you've divorced and you're a healthy person, to have court, you know, courting relationships, as it were. But I think it could be just done a little bit better. And I mean, in the case with him and this woman, Amy, this is my thing, though. I was like, oh, why y'all trying to do a Mika Brinsky and Joe Scarborough? You know what I'm saying? Kind of what they kind of did. And I do understand when you're working with somebody, relationships, you can have that type of relationship. I can understand how that happens. But to be honest with you, based off of their history, both of them weren't necessarily trustworthy partners. So they are built for each other. Period. So she they both with you before this? Well, well, Amy, from my understanding, Amy's relationship ended with her first husband because she cheated on her first husband with Andrew mm. and the relationship with his first wife. I can't speak if it ended with the second wife this the same way, but from my understanding, the way he's talked about TJ has talked about his second wife through all of these experiences, especially this email was just like, please just divorce me so I can go act a fool. Yeah, you, you know, can, he was like apologizing in the email, but not apologizing. You can tell she was willing to put up with stuff that he was even shocked that she was willing to put up with, you know, and I think that's that's the problem is that 
you know, society has to decide, is this going to be acceptable or not acceptable? You can't sit here and condemn one, but then in the same breath, everybody was praising Brad and Angelina. Angelina was a homewrecking scoozy too, okay? Right. Because Brad was with Jennifer Aniston at the time. And because the media thought Angelina was sexier and younger, it was almost like, fuck Jennifer Aniston's feelings. Like, it was so messed up how she was treated. It's like, why is she being treated like an old pariah when Angelina's the one and Brad are cheating, you know what I'm saying, and, and just leaving her there by the wayside? And so now I just find it very funny that, you know, now because people don't either like TJ or Amy or don't know who they are or watch GMA. Yeah, now, exactly. So upset. And so I'm just like, it's very funny because even um, with Erica Mena, remember when she was creeping with DJ Envy and she went mm -hmm. out her way to try and um, destroy, you know, DJ MV's career on The Breakfast Club. Remember she caught into The Breakfast Club and it was that big blowout and he had to admit on The Breakfast Club that he was cheating with Erica Mena and all this other stuff. And so now we fast forward and we're watching her relationship and her marriage, you know, basically just break apart because Safari's another one who can't keep his peen in his pants. So it's very interesting how people will get into relationships will be the side chick, will be the other woman and love it. And then they want to get into a serious relationship or a marriage. And then now it's, you know, they don't think karma can come at them. You know, and, and I think, again, it goes with the whole idea of not being able to really fully and honestly control your behavior. You think that you can behave a certain way and then when that is inflicted upon you, you have the mitigated gone wanna make some noise and holler and hoot because you were mistreated a certain way. That is the sign of immaturity. That is a sign of selfishness. That is a sign. I mean, I know there's seven daily sins. There has to be one of them, you know, because the reality is you're only focusing on what pleases you in the immediate. You're not concerned about necessarily how that affects you and the people around you in the long term. That's all you're concerned with. And that's dangerous. That's the type of stuff that really brings down relationships and communities and societies. And we're seeing it in so many different ways replicated. This ain't cute. And I think that they decided they were going to attempt to use this to see if they can get a little juice, get a little ratings. Maybe get but, a TV show, child. Oh, puke face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we do. We live in a do-what-that-world culture, like it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's the thing. I'm not saying that two consenting adults can't do what they want to do. If you want to fuck every guy in the club and have a one night stand with them or smash every female who'll let you smash in the club and have a one night stand with her, that is your grown business. What I'm saying is understand that there can be consequences and ramifications for those actions and understand that if you're randomly hooking up with somebody and you don't even think enough of yourself to ask them, are they in a relationship? Do they have a wife at home? Do they have a girlfriend at home? Well, then fast forward when you're trying to be in a serious relationship Understand that karma has no expiration date. So while you're hooking up with other people's husbands and boyfriends and, and, you know, and trying to use cute words like my side nigga and my yeah and all this other stuff, understand that when you want to then, you know, have a serious relationship and settle down and create a family and everything else, that now your husband may be doing the same thing that you were doing. 
So that's my my whole thing. It's not people are gonna do what they want to do, but understand that whatever you put out there is what you get. And it's really unfortunate that these two weren't mature enough to basically call off their relationship, file for divorce before mm -hmm. proceeding. And again, it goes to that do with that will culture is that you have folks out here, grown adults, who want to have their cake and eat it too. Absolutely. And, and not to do laundry. <sighs> wash my drawers, you know, dinner on the table, take care of the kids. But I still want to feel young again and have this little side thing over here. Amy, Amy Robot, yeah. she wants a man at home to, you know, be a father figure to the children, you know, help, you know, vacuum and be there with them late night when she's at the studio working. But she still wants to feel young and get her back blown out. Again, and, so you know, and you're right. I mean, I think that, unfortunately, we, in a, in one way, society has changed so much where we have pulled away at all of our norms. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I do think that, you know, what is old is new again. And I think we will, because we've, we'll play around with this and then we'll get too far and then we'll kind of rein ourselves in. And I know that's how society works, but sometimes you can go too far and, you know, you can pass the Rubicon or you can pass the line and you can't, there's a point in no return, you know? And I feel like, unfortunately, like with my kids, I sit back and look to see, you know, discussing with them, do they have the same type of respect for relationship and, and monogamy and a partnership and respect for men and women as I did? And even my the way I looked at it was different than my parents, you know, so I can sit back and look at my grandparents and look how much that continuity has degraded because why Hotepians will say it's because, you know, women are educated, <laughs> you know, but I mean, that's the way, you know, society works. But I, I think that TJ already, did not want to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I think he liked the, to me, based off of some of his conversation, being a broadcaster, him and this woman, I think they like the continuity of what a marriage brings because it gives them a oh, certain allure. Yes. Aesthetic. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. It gives mm -hmm. them the aesthetic. And they got in. They got in the door, right? They mm -hmm. played the game, right? Now that they've got in, they can kind of do the thing. But at some point, in order to be able to cross certain thresholds in this industry, you have to be partnered. Mm -hmm. it, that's just really what it is. And some people say, oh, we want to break societal rules. At the end of the day, he's going to look better married. He's 45. He's aging. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, he yeah. looked good, though. Yeah, he is fine. We're not going we're not gonna <laughs> to. We ain't going to lie. We ain't going to lie. He is fine, okay? But, yeah, uh, shit. But, um, you yeah. know, the, the whole thing is just very interesting. I'm just I'm just laughing at, like, all the, the moral police all of a sudden now when it comes to this situation. But then in the same breath, you'll have people who excuse people like Nick Cannon, you know, who's just out there creating all types of single homes, refuses to be, you know, monogamous or at least create a polygamy, you know, commune with all these women, 
you know, so I, I don't know. It's just, it's just very interesting. But I just thought it was funny that people thought that these people should feel shame. Shame in today's society? Shitting me? What shame? There is none. Why would y'all expect no. them to feel any shame? People sit no. on social media and show their ass 24-7, do the most just, you know, uncouth, degrading stuff for clicks and views. And then you expect because they're, they're news anchors to come on with their head bowed down and, you know, beg, you know, beg for y'all to forgive them and, and scream that they're sorry. We don't live in that type of society. No, I would have been on there joking and popping my shit, too. Because I, I, that's how society has made it now where well, you shouldn't have to feel any shame. Do whatever you want and then let the consequences fall where they may. Look at the dude scary. when we started the podcast, Sam Bankman Freed. He's literally on a hobo tour, just talking on club, just no shame. I'd be in my room, probably under the covers, not even able to get out of the bed if I lost billions of dollars. <laughs> there no is shame. no... I, I I I don't know what the heck's gone on. I just really feel like, and I was thinking this today when I was sitting back listening to the news blurb of Donald Trump saying that the Constitution should be disbanded or some of the whatever term he utilized. And then, you know, Kanye's crazy antics this past <laughs> weekend on Alex Jones. I <laughs> I feel now, so it's official. We have allowed the crazies in the room, in front of the camera, with access to the keys and the button. That's what's happened. We have allowed all of the flights of fantasy to just run amok. And it's scary, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. It Nuts. is. It is. It just, you know, and that's where we live. And this is why kids are looking at things like this and they're not interested in marriage and they're not interested mm -hmm. in monogamy. For what? When all their role models are just talking about hooking up and, you know, cheating on their spouses. You know, not maybe not necessarily role models, but, you know, people that they see, people who are rich and have status and, right. you know, and things like that. So, you know, it's 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 sad. But again, um, I just remember the media treating Brangelina. OK, that was their name. Way different. They literally raised that affair. Let's keep that. I, and let's even go back even further, because I think we may have talked about this in a conversation recently. If you want to even go back before Brad, let's talk about what Billy Bob Thornton was engaged to. What's her name? She played um, as the archaeologist in Jurassic Park. Um, I can't think of her name right now, but he was engaged to her. And she was out doing a movie in Australia somewhere. And she found out on the news that he was married to Brad, to um, Angelina Jolie. And they walk around each other blood. You know what I'm saying? I, didn't know Bob, I must have been too young for that one. I didn't know he was married. I was, I was wondering. He was engaged. Leah Dunning or something, her name is. Mm. Very, pro she was dating, um, what's his name? Um, oh my God. I forget his name. But she, very unproblematic, you know, a Caucasian American woman. She dated Jamie Foxx recently, too, a few years mm -hmm. ago. 
um, but very, you know, unproblematic uh, Caucasian American woman and just seemed to be a really chill person. And they were in a long relationship. And apparently he just ended it because, you know, Angelina was like, mm. but see, Angelina was trying to claw her way up. Because John Voight didn't have that much juice in. <laughs> yeah, people forget that's her daddy. Oh, yeah. That Trumper. You know what I'm saying? And then her mama, who passed away, who was an actress, yes, but I mean, on the pantheon of actresses, really. Yeah. So, you know, and then Brad Pitt was just fine and popping it and dropping it for everybody in Hollywood. So it worked out. For a while, and then she lost him too. Karma. Karma? Do you think I she lost no him? Ways. I felt no ways when they divorced. People was oh, crying, no tattoo tears, and they were a couple goals. They weren't mine, but carry on. Um, but they mm -hmm. do have some beautiful children, the ones who are adopted and the ones that are biologically them. You know, they're, you know, really beautiful mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. True. Well, together, you know, the one, um, the Ethiopian girl, she is going to uh, Spellman. So she's a Spelman now. And then the other one, they try to say that she was going to be a boy and all this goofy shit. Now she's tall and skinny, has the body of a model. Now the sudden she's a girl and she's modeling. But okay. Um, but she's gorgeous. So she's modeling. Now. You get girl, that child, when that came out, I was like. Yeah, she sees herself as a little boy. And I know y'all was trying to push some shit on her that she wasn't seeing herself. But now that she has a body and, a, you know, looks like a model, has a figure of the model. Now, all of a sudden, she's all female. So it's Hollywood is so just strange. It's a strange place. But another person, too, that a lot of people excuse was Johnny Depp. And Let's I had to talk about it. Out. As much as I love Johnny Depp, I called him out when I did my video series on him because mm -hmm. he was married to not married, excuse me, baby mother, because he never married mm -hmm. Vanessa Pardis. Yeah. Um, never. Her for years. They had kids. They were together for 14 years. He claimed he didn't want to get married. Uh, marriage was just a piece of paper, wasn't no big deal. Then when he did Rum Diary with Amber Heard, he was so smitten over her. And Amber Heard was like 20-something years younger than him. Yeah. And when he left Vanessa and got with Amber, it was, oh, he's upgrading. He's getting somebody young. And, oh, they he was praised so much, only to find out that he done left sanity for crazy. And literally lost his whole career behind Amber Heard. I mean, he's able to salvage it now. But think about those five years where he went through all that turmoil with her accusing him of abuse and all that nonsense because he thought the grass was green on the other side. Oh, yes. And that's what, you know, I didn't I felt no ways because he needed to fall and burn like that. He knew better. He was wrong. He knew he was wrong. And I'm going to be honest with you. I do honestly do believe he has definitely paid his price for what he's done. I, I do like I I don't there's things about Johnny Depp I side eye, but you know it's Johnny so I'm like, mm -hmm. but you know he's problematic too. He's dealing with his childhood trauma, picking all these crazy abusive women like his mama. He said that in the trial. You know he's replicating abusive behavior. So mm -hmm. you know at least he was. The fact is that he admitted that. You know so I feel like he didn't admit that because. He had to, in a sense, to put on airs. He admitted it because he had to, because he was either going to live righteously or die of, you know, uh, alcoholic drug abuse food. 
because that woman was going to put him in the ground. She ain't well. She's not okay. And that was his karma. I felt no ways. Yeah. I felt no ways. So I hope he learned from it. You know what I'm saying? I felt like maybe there was some vindication there when I saw him walking in the savage fancy. You yeah, know, he looked good. He had on too many clothes, though. I want him to baby. walk out in some satin mm. boxers and nothing else. But that's just me. <laughs> I, I, that's, I'm standing right next to you saying the same thing. I'm behind the tree like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, good luck to him. You know, he's getting his life together. So I'm not mad. He definitely, you know, he got his karma. Now he can pick up the pieces and move on. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, this has been a really good podcast. I appreciate you for coming on. We hit on a wide range of topics. <laughs> As always, we have a blast doing it. It's always, and I know we always say there's so much to talk about. There's so much to talk about. But I feel like, you know, you hit on so many different things. And I think that you have to because stuff is moving so fast. And then I have to say this too, you mm -hmm. know, not even a shameless plug. I am really getting into the deep dives and I have to say thanks for really taking the time to really put in the effort to curate some really thoughtful topics that are in tandem and parallel with things that are going on because it kind of lets us have a deeper insight of kind of the direction that your mind is working with some things and so when we hear you discuss things with us we kind of can preemptively know where you're thinking and where your head is going and where your direction is going and your thoughts. So good job. I want to say good job. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. There's a lot of work. I know I got another one coming up um, for the month of December. I okay. don't know what that topic's going to be yet, but you know, I'll Looking have it figured to it. out soon enough. You Thank always you. pick some good ones. You, 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 you can't force it. You know what I'm saying? You, no. I call you the cyclotedia. You got a book of knowledge and I think you don't force it. And I think you just hit them right nicely. Good job. How have you been doing and picking them? <laughs> I appreciate it. But yeah, um, we're definitely coming up with a good one for this month. And, you know, there's a lot of rabbit holes to cover. You know, there's always, you know, news and rabbit holes. So mm -hmm. definitely stay tuned for that, you guys. So on that note, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Tea Time Unfiltered. With your girl, Lovely T, and my guest host uh, here, Lady J. Any last words? No, thank you so much as always. I appreciate it. Y'all have to take care. All right. Talk to y'all later. Deuces. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.